Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Hello, City Church. I greet you in the name of Jesus. My name is Bob Sorky, and I'm just so blessed to be with you this morning and sharing in the Word of God in your series on prayer. I'm sending out a big shout to my friends Daniel and Joy Chua, who I've known for many years, and uh, and then I've uh, been able to meet via email your uh, new leading pastor, Andre Tan, and so to your leaders, your pastors, uh, the team, to the whole congregation, greetings from Kansas City, where I'm with the International House of Prayer, and it's just a delight for me to be able to share with you today. I'm going to talk about The Secret Place, and I just want to mention that I have written a book on The Secret Place, so you're wel- you're welcome to uh, order this. You can get it online, Amazon, you can uh, get get it on Kindle and uh, various ebook formats, uh, iTunes and so on. So you're welcome to check that out. Uh, of my many books, it's actually my most popular one, and I hope that it, it can be a blessing to you. <clears throat> As we come to uh, speaking of the secret place, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this privilege, and we ask that you would be with us now this morning, that the Holy Spirit would just be, would, would rest mightily upon this congregation, upon each one of our hearts. Help me in the speaking, help us in the hearing, and may the word of God go forward in power and authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to start with Psalm 119, verse 92. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. And that verse is very personal for me because when this happened to my voice, a vocal injury 29 years ago, when this happened to my voice, it almost took me out. And the only reason that I survived, that I'm still here today, is because of this secret place. I call myself a secret place survivor. I'm here today because of sitting at his feet, hearing the ramus of his mouth. His word has been my survival. Something about this secret place. It's a secret. There's a scripture that says, God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. For some people, that's a threat, but not for you. For you, that's a promise, because you've been cultivating a secret life in God. And the scripture says that one of these days, all the secrets are coming out. And what you have had with God in your secret place, he's going to own it before the angels of heaven. Christians are like icebergs. There's a lot more under the surface than the underneath than appears on the surface. You've got something going with God in your secret place. Nobody knows what you have with God. Your own personal, vibrant, violent connection with Jesus Christ. I use the word violent because if you're going to have a secret place, you have to be violent in today's generation to carve out the time and give yourself to the secret place. Holy violence. There is no contradiction in my heart between the congregation 
congregation and the secret place, I believe, that every Christian should have a vibrant connection to a local church and should also have a thrilling secret place relationship with Jesus. I think that you can do both. One of the reasons that we're connected to a local church is to get fed and uh, pastors are always <clears throat> wanting to feed the flock in, in the Word of God, which is awesome. And I have some huge convictions about <clears throat> the church. I believe in coming together, gathering together in the Church of Jesus Christ, such as we are doing right now. But I'm just going to say it. I don't go to church to get fed. When I'm hungry, I go to the secret place. Sunday morning is not my feeding ground. I've got a source in God that goes beyond the Sunday morning message. I've got a source in God every day in the Word, every day at His feet, every day hearing His voice, every day the ramus of His mouth strengthening and encouraging my heart. Sometimes when you go to church and you hear a sermon, you're like, you know what, that one really missed me. I'd really try to get fed from that message, but it just I just didn't get anything from that one. But when you get a rhema in the secret place, it comes with your name on it. It nails you. It feeds you, sustains you. It puts fire in your eyes. Your cheeks flush. Your heart rate changes. Now you can live for another 40 days in your wilderness because he just gave you another rhema from his mouth. Now, let me just explain what I mean by the word rhema. I want to explain this so that everyone is on the same page with my meaning. There are two words in the New Testament Greek. The New Testament came to us in the Greek language, and in Greek there are two Greek words that we translate identically into English. The Greek word logos, we translate it word. The Greek word rhema, we translate it word. And when you're reading in your New Testament and you come across word, you can't tell from the English what the original was, whether logos or rhema. For example, you're in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. Logos. Then you're in Matthew chapter 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That one was rhema. We live by the rhemas of his mouth. Now, uh, one of the definitions that you've probably heard, it's quite common in the body of Christ, we've commonly said that logos is the written word and rhema is the spoken word. And now the Bob Sarge homemade definition. A logos is a rhema God gave somebody else. Let me explain that. When the writers of Scripture got their message, it came to them as rhema. They got it straight from heaven, and it set their heart on fire. 
gave it to us. And when we got it, we got Logos. They got Rhema because they got it straight from heaven. We got Logos because we got it from them. You can't give anybody a Rhema. The only way to get a Rhema, people have to get it from heaven for themselves through the Logos. If you get a rhema and you try to share it with your friend, it kind of gets downgraded to a logos, if you know what I'm saying. Maybe you've experienced this. You're in your secret place. You're reading the Word. And it happens. The spirit of revelation comes on you. And you're looking at the verse going, Oh my goodness. Your heart gets set on fire. You're like, I've never seen this verse before. I've only read it 200 times. I've just never seen it. And now, under Revelation, Ephesians 1.17, under a spirit of revelation, you are seeing something in the Word that you've never seen before. You're seeing something about Jesus. Your faith is coming alive. Your love is blazing hot. And you are like, whoa, that's my answer. I've been asking God for 10 years for an answer. I just got my answer. You are jazzed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is better than Starbucks. You are stoked. You call up your friend and you're like, I just got the best Rama I've gotten in 10 years. And your friend goes, tell me. You share your Rama with your friend and she goes, praise God. And you just want to kick her. What kind of a dull-hearted, hard-hearted, crusty, backslidden, Laodicean age Christian are you anyways? I just gave you the best rhema I've gotten in ten years. Well, remember, you got rhema. She got logos. I know how to get a rhema. I'm going to tell you how to get a rhema. Are you ready for this? Long and loving meditation in the logos. When you have this book in front of you, you are a ticking time bomb. You are revelation waiting to happen. You are a holy setup for the spirit of revelation to come upon you and for you to see something in the Word of God like you've never seen it before. Your eyes will light up. Your cheeks will flush. You'll be able to live for another 40 days in your wilderness because you just got kissed. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. The kisses of his mouth are his rhemas that he gives to us in the secret place. Galatians 6, verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Here's the principle of the verse. Sow to the Spirit, you'll eventually reap to the Spirit. Sow to 
the secret place, you'll eventually reap to the secret place. So to the Logos, you'll eventually reap to the Logos. And now, let me say it this way. So to the Logos, you'll eventually reap Rhema. I'm going to tell you another secret. The more time you spend in the Logos, the better your chances of getting a Rhema. Once you have tasted Rhema, you become a Rhema junkie. You're like, I've got to get another one of those. Once you have tasted Rima, you're like, I don't care what I have to do now. I don't care how long I have to sew. If I have to sew every day for three days, every day for three weeks, if I have to sew every day for three months, if I have to sew every day for three years, every day in the secret place, every day at his feet, every day in the Logos, because I know a secret. I know if I'll just keep sowing, one of these days it will happen again. The spirit of revelation will come upon me. I'm going to see something about Jesus I've never seen before. My eyes will light up. My cheeks will flush because we live by the rhemas of his mouth. Somebody might be thinking right now, Bob, your secret place must be awesome. Actually, no. It's mostly dull, mostly boring, and mostly sewing. But I know a secret. I know that if I'll just keep on sewing, I'll eventually reap. This is why I am so fervently devoted to the secret place living in his word because I know if I just keep sowing, I will again eventually reap Rima. When Jesus was baptized by John in the river Jordan, the scripture says that the dove of the spirit came and rested on Jesus. Hear it carefully. The dove of the Spirit loves to come and rest on the Word. I'd like to share with you a rhema that God gave me on one occasion. I'm going to give you the context for this rhema. And by the way, you're about to get a Logos, but I'll share my rhema with you anyways. The context. I was in a season of consecration. I really, I just wanted to know Jesus. And so I was coming after him with all my heart. And I, 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 was, I was pursuing Jesus himself. And so I was reading the words of Jesus. I had a red letter edition Bible, so if it was in red lettering, I was reading it. I was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I was reading Revelation 1, 2, 3, over and over. Just my entire days devoted to pouring over the words of Jesus because I just wanted to know Jesus. 
And as I'm in this particular discipline, I begin to notice a certain word. He used it there, he used it there, and there, 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 and again, and again, and again, and again. Jesus used that word a lot. Here came the rhema. It's the most important word in the whole Bible. When I got this rhema, it set my heart on fire. I saw the most important word in the whole Bible. I'm about to share with you the most important word in the whole Bible. And I don't even care if you agree. Because when you get a rhema from Jesus, you really don't, you're not that moved by people's opinions. You might like it, you might not like it, you might agree, you might not agree. Doesn't move me that much. I got this one in the darkness of my pit. I, this one kept me alive in my wilderness. And so, whether you like it or not, I'm about to share with you the most important word in the whole Bible. Here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many times did he say it? In the blockbuster parable of the sower, this heart heard the word this way. This heart heard the word this way. This heart heard the word this way. This heart heard the word with a good heart and produced a fruitful harvest. Everything in the parable comes down to how you hear the word of God. A voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Somebody goes, well, actually, I don't agree with that. I think the most important word in the Bible is love. Okay. Uh, there is a verse, however, that goes, Hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God. Somebody goes, well, actually, I don't agree with that. I think the most important word in the Bible is faith. Okay. There is a verse that goes, faith comes by hearing. When you hear, now you can believe. When you hear, now you can love. When you hear, now you can obey. When you hear, now you can repent. When you hear from God, now you can make that decision correctly. When you hear from God, now you know if you should date that girl. When you hear from God, now you know if you should go to that school. Everything changes when we hear from God. Which is why when I'm coming to the secret place, I'm not coming primarily to talk. I'm coming primarily to listen. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a blabbermouth just like you. I talk to God just like you do. 
But that's not my primary agenda. I'm coming to the secret place primarily because I want to hear from God. What I have to say really is of no consequence. What he has to say changes the course of everything in life. When I talk, in case you haven't noticed, nothing happens. When God talks, universes come into existence. Things don't change when I talk to God. Things change when God talks to me. So I want to hear from God in the secret place. This is my big priority when I'm coming to the secret place. And I'm going to share with you my favorite hear verse. It's in Luke 8.18. It's got that sweet little word hear in it. It's in red letters, in a red letter Bible, because it's from the lips of Jesus himself, Luke 8.18. Jesus himself uses the word here in this verse, and it's become my favorite here verse. Actually, you know, I'm thinking somebody should produce and publish a here Bible. I mean, we've got the quilter's Bible, we've got the nursing mother's Bible, we've got the golfer's Bible. Why doesn't somebody produce the here Bible? A Bible that has the word here popping off the page with lights flashing around it. I'm being a little bit lighthearted with you, but actually, in all seriousness, my hope is from this moment on, every time you come across the word here in your Bible, I hope it stops you and impacts you with its significance. The most important important word in your Bible. So Jesus says in Luke 8 verse 18, Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given. And I want to put emphasis on the word how. Take heed therefore how you hear. And the reason it's so important how you hear is given in the verse. If you're careful to hear the word in a way that you receive it, retain it, live it, believe it, do it, pray it, practice it, embody it, make it a part of your eternal history, he says, then I'll give you more. That's the principle of Luke 8.18. If you want more, you must Prove yourself a good steward of what he's already given you. And if you steward the word he's already given you, he says, I'll give you more. The reason this is so important to me is because I want more. I want more revelation. I want more insight. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know more of who he is, more about him, how he thinks. I want more. And because I'm so greedy for more, it's so important to me to steward well 
what he has already given me so that he might find me a worthy steward of more. He gave you a rhema five years ago. He comes back five years later. It's fallen off your radar, no longer really on your screen, kind of collecting dust. You've mostly forgotten it. You don't really talk about it. It's not that cherished anymore. He's like, if that's how you valued the last rhema I gave you, why should I give you another? If you want to receive a rhema from Jesus, you must demonstrate that the last rhema he gave you was so important to you, so valuable to you, so precious to you, that you did everything in your power to wrap your heart around that word, pull it into your bosom, Live it, believe it, cherish it, pray it, give thanks for it, do it. He says, if you hear it that way, I'll give you more. I find an illustration for Luke 8.18 in American football. Now, I know y'all in Singapore are big on soccer, uh, and so American football is not that big of a deal in Singapore. I get it. Um, and so, t to help uh, some of the sisters in our midst this morning understand American football, I'm just going to explain it now. I'm going to give you a little primer, and by the time I'm done, you're going to be a professional in American football. Here's how it works. There's a guy on the team called a quarterback. His job is to throw the ball. And then there's another guy on the team, and his he's called a receiver. His job is to catch the ball. If the receiver catches the ball and holds onto it, the whole game advances. If the receiver tries to catch the ball and drops it, the game goes all the way back. Everything in the game of football is contingent on the receiver catching the ball and holding on to it. Quarterback throws the ball. The receiver drops it. Quarterback goes. Yeah, let's give the guy another shot. Throws a second football for the receiver. And the receiver tries, but he drops it. And the quarterback's like, Bro, <laughs> ah, third time's a charm. Give him one more chance, and the quarterback, one more try, throws to the receiver, and the receiver drops it. If I'm the quarterback in that story, I'll tell you what I'd be thinking about that time. I'd be like, that's the last football that I'll be throwing your direction. If you want the quarterback to throw you the football, you must demonstrate that you have hands. 
And if you want Jesus to throw you a rhema, you must have a proven track record of catching rhemas. If you catch it, he'll throw you another. That's the principle of Luke 8.18. I think Jesus had American football in mind when he gave us Luke 8.18. I never played football in college, and so I was never a receiver. Excuse me, I'm a receiver. <coughs> so what I'm going to share right now is not from personal experience. But I just imagine. I put myself in a receiver's shoes. Quarterback throws the ball. The receiver catches the ball. If you're a receiver on a football team and you have just caught the football, I'm going to guess you're thinking to yourself something like this. They're coming for me. The whole team is coming for me. They hate me. They want to hurt me. They want to strip this football away from me. They are all coming after me. The whole team has forgotten everybody else on my team. The only guy on my team they are thinking about right now is me. They are all coming after me. The whole team is running in my direction. These boys are big. These boys are buff. These boys are running at full tilt. They are after me. I am about to take a hit. I don't know where I'm going to get hit. I don't know what direction I'm going to get hit from first. And I don't know where on my body that guy's going to hit me. All I know is... I am about to take a hit. Whatever happens next, do not drop this ball. And the receiver pulls the football into the cradle and holds on for all his might. When God throws you a football, do not drop the ball. When he gives you a rhema, do whatever you have to do to wrap your fingers around that rhema, pull it into your bosom, and hold on for dear life. He says, if you hear it like that, I'll throw you another. This is so important to me that I have developed a system around my life of catching footballs from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you my system, not because I want you to imitate it. I just want you to be inspired by it so that you'll find your system of catching footballs from the Holy Spirit. To understand my system, you have to know something about me. I have a horrible memory. I don't know what this feeble excuse for a brain is, but when they were giving out memories, I must have missed the line that day because I don't know. I just wasn't there on the day they were handing out memories. This 
feeble excuse for a brain. If God speaks something to me, and if I don't write it down, it's gone. The only way that this feeble membrane up here can retain any football that the Holy Spirit throws me, I have to write it down. I know you're better than that. I'm just talking about me right now. I have to write it down. So whenever I'm in a prayer meeting, I always have three things with me. I have a Bible, I have a notepad, and I have a pen. You will not find me in a prayer meeting without a Bible, a notepad, and a pen. And you're like, Bob, what's your deal? I'll tell you my deal. When I'm in a prayer meeting and I'm praying the Word, because that's what I do. In prayer meetings, I pray the Word. When you learn to pray the Word, you have 31,103 verses you can choose from. You've got 66 books you can choose from. Your prayer life is never boring because you've got so much language for prayer. When I'm in a prayer meeting and I'm praying in the Word, I get some of my best footballs in prayer meetings. And if the Holy Spirit throws me a football in a prayer meeting, I am going to catch that ball, write that sweetheart down on my notepad, I go straight home to my laptop, tap it into my journal, and then review my journal. When I'm in a meeting such as we're in right now on this Sunday morning, where the Word of God is being preached, proclaimed in some fashion, you will not find me in a context like this where the Word is being taught without three things. I always have a Bible, a notepad, and a pen. And you're like, Bob, what is your deal? I'll tell you my deal. When I'm in a meeting where the Word of God is being preached, sometimes, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit will interrupt the preacher and throw me a rhema. If he throws me a football in the middle of a meeting, I am going to catch that sweetheart. Write it down on my notepad. I go straight home from the meeting, straight to my laptop, tap that baby into my journal, and then review my journal. Because if I don't review the journal, it's gone. The only way that I can retain anything God gives me, I have to write it down, put it in my journal, and then review. When I'm in the secret place, I always have three things with me. You might even know what they are. Bible, notepad, and pen. Why? God forbid that I should be in the secret place where I get some of my best footballs. God forbid that I be in the secret place. He throws me a football, and I have no way to catch that sweetheart. I am going to catch that ball and prove myself a faithful steward of every football that he throws my direction. Write it down. Put it in my journal. Review my journal so that I can catch every football the Holy Spirit is giving. I close now. Proverbs 26, verse 20, last verse. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. You build a campfire, but then you leave the camp and the fire dies out. That's because you stopped putting
putting wood on the campfire. The wood is the word. <coughs> and for the flame of your heart to stay alive, you must keep putting the wood of the word on the altar of your heart. When your heart starts to cool off, Dr. Bob has a cure for you. Go get some wood and put some fresh logos on the altar of your heart. Your flames will come alive. Your heart will ignite. Your eyes will light up. Your cheeks will flush because we live by the rhemas of his mouth. I want to pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends at City Church. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is listening to this message and with, with, a, with an eager heart. And I'm asking, Lord, for every eager heart that there would be fresh grace released just by the power of your word today that we might apprehend fresh grace. May there be fresh momentum in your secret place in the power of the Holy Spirit. May you have fresh grace to do the violence of carving out the time to spend at his feet hearing his word. May the dove of heaven come and rest upon the word as you have the logos in front of you. May he addict you with the kisses of his mouth. May he addict you to the ramas of his mouth. May you have grace to sow every day to the logos, even through the dry times, knowing that eventually you will reap rhema. May you have the wisdom to gather wood every day, and every day put fresh logos on the altar of your heart, that you might burn with a holy passion in the presence of God. May there be grace on your life to hear every word he speaks, and may you never drop the ball. In Jesus' name I bless you. Grace to you in your secret place relationship with Jesus. Amen.